This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We're a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. It is just my privilege uh, to be up here this morning um, as we continue our Come Holy Spirit series. Um, looking, we're going to look at Galatians 5. Uh, verse 16 to 26, looking at the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit and how we walk in step with, uh, with the Holy Spirit. Um, so just, just, I'm just going to go straight into, um, into, into reading the passage this morning. So uh, Galatians 5, uh, 16 to 26, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. It's going to be on the screen uh, if, you can, if you can read that, um, uh, or you can follow along on your, your device or Bible of choice. So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, immorality, easy for me to say, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Amen. So, it can, be, it can be summarized, as, as scholars have, that the fruit of the Spirit is the organic growth of character that occurs when the Holy Spirit dwells in the heart of God's followers, helping us to bear his image. We've probably all heard uh, of the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. So the gifts, if the gifts of the Spirit are the way that the Holy Spirit works through us, the fruit of the Spirit is the work that he does in us. Got that? It's the way that we become people who are genuinely loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. And the reason why we are to become these things is because that is what God is like. To be who we are truly designed to be, people made in the image of God, this is what we should all look like. If, we are true, if we're truly walking in step with the Spirit, then his fruit uh, will grow in our lives and we will become like him. So what does it mean to walk in step uh, with the Spirit? I like, to, um, I like to think of it a bit like a dance. Uh, so anyone who's done any amount of Kaylee dancing in their time will know the value of following someone who knows the steps. Someone who knows their way around the dance floor is able to keep in time with the music. And so this picture that you can see here, this is the very first documented evidence of my, uh, the first uh, time that I ever spoke to uh, my wonderful wife. 
So uh, there we are dancing in the, in the front of the picture. Uh, she didn't know that she was going to be my wife at that point uh, in time. And to be honest, neither did I. Uh, we just happened to be out uh, with friends at a Cayley bar in Glasgow. And um, yeah, the story goes that Fiona got me out of a bit of an awkward uh, situation by asking me to dance. And I was very happy uh, to, to go up and dance um, and dance with her then. And uh, yeah, uh, little did she know that that encounter on the dance floor would lead to a lifetime of happiness. Uh, you see, walking in step with the Spirit is, uh, is a lot like doing a Cayley dance. When you allow the leader to guide your steps, you begin to move in unison, your feet are aligned, and the whole thing just flows. It's beautiful, and it's graceful, and it can lead to great things. On the other hand, if you aren't in sync with one another, or if you refuse to be led, uh, or if you think that you know better, if you know the steps, uh, and you're doing a strip the willow when actually you're doing a Canadian barn dance, then it all becomes a bit disjointed, a bit clumsy, that, you know, the trust breaks down and no one ends up having a good time. So I think what Paul is saying here is that the Holy Spirit wants to lead you, and if you let him, it will produce the fruit that's described in the passage. It sounds so wonderfully simple, but at the same time, incredibly complex. So you're probably thinking, okay, so how do I actually know, how do I know what that will look like? How do I, how will I know that the fruit is growing? Or maybe you're thinking, I'm already pretty joyful and quite kind, you know, isn't that enough? Uh, so I can't promise answers to these questions, but I'm just going to try and unpack this idea a little bit more and we'll see where we get to. So the fruit of the Spirit is, uh, the first thing I want to note about that is that Paul says the fruit of the Spirit, he uses a singular subject. And then he goes on to offer a list. I don't know if anyone has ever noticed that before. Um, so you, probably many of you have. Um, if you haven't, just be aware your mind is about to be blown. Um, so I don't think this is a typo from, from Paul or a slip of the pen. Uh, what, I think what he's doing here is very much intended and indeed significant. The fruit uh, of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. So there's a little song that I learned some 20 years ago at an SU camp uh, that has stuck with me ever since. I won't, I won't, uh, I won't sing it, but uh, no. Um, but yeah, so what we have here is a series of uh, interconnected traits. Each of these is intrinsically linked to the last and not to be thought about in isolation. Now, you may have been in a Sunday school class when you were growing up, or kids' church as we like to call it here, and you may have been taught about the fruit of the Spirit and your wonderfully creative, a well-intentioned leader that week may have brought out a visual aid to help with the lesson, bringing out strawberries to represent love, uh, apples to represent joy, grapes to represent peace, and so on and so on. Now, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but I'm going to pick a, pick a flaw in that analogy. Uh, so, um, you see, it's one fruit with all of these characteristics. If it's the fruit singular of the Spirit, then I guess what you could say is that the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, and the self-control are more like the vitamins within that fruit, right? So you can have each of these little things in from, you can get them up from all different sources. They can be held in isolation, but they only come together in one package in this particular fruit from the Holy Spirit. So that is how we know that the Spirit of God is working in us because of the innate linkage uh, between these characteristics. That's how we know that the kindness that we show is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit working in our lives rather than just being a really natural, naturally really nice or kind person. 
So let's take an example, and they're, they're maybe a little bit crude examples, and I'm going to make um, you know, vast generalizations, so uh, please forgive me. But uh, just to make the point, um, if you take, uh, say, gentleness, you know, that's a good one, because someone who uh, is quite often associate gentleness with like, a personality trait of, of someone, you know, you, we all have that friend who's just so, so gentle, so um, you know, that they, they, wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't hurt a spider, you know, and even though they are absolutely terrifying. Um, you know, gentleness, the gentleness that's born of the spirit is different, though. Um, and so let's, uh, you know, uh, we take maybe another one, faithfulness. So being faithful um, can, can take great courage sometimes. Um, and again, going to generalize a little bit, but you know, someone who uh, is courageous um, or someone who's gentle might struggle to be courageous, might struggle to stand up. Um, for the truth or to be faithful to the word of God or be faithful to their friends and family. And so gentleness on its own might be, might be linked to your personality, but when we mix it with all of the others, we see that it's quite different. You know, people who are Christians can exhibit these characteristics. It's only when we are walking in step with the Spirit that these characteristics are demonstrated concurrently and we're moving in God's purpose for our lives. So another example would be someone who is very at peace but they're also quite proud. Now, is pride uh, a characteristic of uh, walking in the spirit? No, Ali, no, it's not. Uh, so that peace uh, could be a counterfeit peace. It's not from God, but it's a peace that comes from being certain about your circumstances. Now, someone who's humble, now their peace, they come, that comes from the fact that God is certain about their circumstances. And so in this way, we can begin to discern you know, are the things that are growing in my life a result of walking in the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit, or have I fallen uh, for, for these counterfeit? Am I joyful in all things or only uh, when things are going my way? Do I show love to people, even those who really get on my nerves? So, how do we produce the fruit? Let's look at the words of Jesus. Uh, in John 15... Uh, verses 1 to 8, he says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if, it's, if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So Jesus says, Remain in me, and you will bear much fruit. He says it so many times in this uh, short passage. Another translation uh, might say, abide in me. Uh, you could translate that to mean, uh, make your home in me. So you have to trust and obey and to separate ourselves from the desires of our flesh and let the Holy Spirit in. Let him percolate through us, and as we do, we will begin to see change. We will begin to see the fruit in our lives. So this isn't just about, you know, tuning up our personality or 
cleansing our character. It's, it's so much more than that. It's about stepping into what God has designed us to be, stepping into, stepping into doing what we are called to do, loving God and loving others. You know, we need to think of ourselves less and lean into him. So did you notice how many times Jesus said to remain or to abide in him within these eight verses? There's five times Jesus says, remain in me. I've highlighted them in red on the slide. And are there five? One, two, three. Yes, that's good. So, um, yeah, now John, John was all about the details. And you can see this uh, through the way that he writes uh, his gospel. Um, and, uh, and he goes into intricate detail, giving us an in-depth look at uh, what Jesus was like and what he said. So I can imagine as he was taking notes when Jesus is preaching that day and Jesus is uh, repeating himself over and over, you know, you know he's, he's probably thinking, why does, he, why does he feel the need to, to say this so many times? I think it's because this, this thing is, uh, of remaining in, in Jesus is so crucial to living our lives that are full of his spirit. We remain in him. We remain in him. We remain in him. What does it look like to remain in Jesus, to sink into him and to surround ourselves with his presence? Abiding in the vine means taking our eyes off ourselves. It's about stepping away from looking in the mirror, uh, from looking at ourselves and, and what we want and looking towards Jesus and his majesty. And the problem is that unless we make space uh, in our lives for the beauty and the majesty of who he is, we will never really understand who we are. It can be so easy to think, right, I'm going to change. I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to come and, and receive some ministry from someone and then walk out the door and, and revert to type uh, the next time we're faced with a choice of satisfying our selfish desires or discerning what the Spirit wants for us in that moment. We walk around, you know, the same person, frustrated with our lack of transformation or lack of fruit because the fruit only comes from seeing and abiding in him. And so Paul is saying that this whole list of sinful desires uh, in, the, in, in the passage in Galatians comes from an inherent craving uh, that is hardwired into us as humans. And Paul is basically saying that you need to crave better things. You need to look to him. Some translations speak about the works of the flesh. And when you contrast these works to the fruit of the spirit, they paint a very different picture. The works are intentional, things that you do, choices that you make. They are active and they're also very destructive. And when you contrast that to the fruit, the language Paul uses is different. You know, you let the Spirit guide your life. You are directed by the Spirit. Let us follow the Spirit's leading. And when you do these things, it's the Spirit who produces the fruit in our life. The fruit is supernatural. It's not something that we can produce on our own. You know, you cannot make yourself these things. You can't just go and sit in a corner and be like, be kind, be kind. You know, these things are supernaturally and organically grown and developed in our lives when we spend time with the Spirit. It's our job to abide, to make our home in Jesus. Uh, you know, sometimes it's so tempting to want to work our way into these things. If you think about a simple seed, it grows into this beautifully complex fruit. And the same way that you know, simple human grows into beautifully complex image bearers of God when we walk in step with his spirit. It's not about the things that we do. It's about spending time in his, in his spirit. And that will bring about the transformation. 
You know, the fruit is organic, but it's not automatic. You know, there must be cooperation with the Spirit. He's a divine person waiting to be depended on for his ministry and expecting us to keep in step with him. So, how on earth do we keep in step with the Spirit? So I just want to finish with, a, with this story um, of an old farmer who's lost, who lost his watch. Now, many of you uh, may, have, may have heard this before. Um, I, think, I think I first heard it on an Alpha course. You know, this, this story really helps me think about walking in step with the Spirit. The story goes that the farmer lost his watch one day while he was working in his barn. The watch was, was very precious to him because of its sentimental value, and he searched the barn high to low, and he couldn't find it anywhere. He looked around the side of the barn, and he saw uh, some, some kids playing, uh, and he thought, um, he thought he would go get them and tell them that there would be a prize for anyone who could find, uh, find the watch. So the kids come in, and they tear the barn apart, and they, they, you know, they look high and low, um, and they all come out one by one, exhausted but unable to find it. But then one little boy comes to the farmer. He says, please, can I have another try? And the farmer says, on you go. He's lost all hope by this point. The boy goes into the barn, and five minutes later, he walks out holding the watch. The farmer says, how on earth did you find it? And the little boy says, it was so easy. When everyone was gone, it became quiet. All I had to do was lie down and listen for the tick. I think this yielding to the Spirit, cooperating with the Spirit, you know, keeping in step with the Spirit is clear. It's getting those spaces in our lives where it's quiet enough to hear the tick. It's a daily choice that we must make. You know, it should be as automatic as brushing our teeth. Each morning we wake up, we ask God, what do you want to do with me today? How can I serve you today? It's quite simple. The more that we do, the more that we practice, the more in tune we will get and the more in step we will begin to move. You know, our, our destiny is to be image bearers of God, to show the world his love and his goodness and his kindness. And the world is desperate for this, for the children of God to be revealed. So let's take some time. Let's start listening. And, uh, and maybe we can just start to... Uh, Little by little, just change. Change our, our perspective, change our habits, be transformed by his spirit and, and, and go out and change the world. Thanks for listening to the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Sterling Vineyard Church.